Welcome to the EquipCast for the Archdiocese of Omaha. Designed to help leaders transform their cultures, to embody the pastoral vision, to be one church, encountering Jesus, equipping disciples, and living mercy. Uh, hey, I'm uh, Father Jeff Florig, and I'm joined by uh, Jim Jansen today. He's our Director of Evangelization and Catechesis here in the Archdiocese of Omaha. And... Uh, um, We've been doing this equip cast the last couple of weeks, and uh, we decided to go do a weekly uh, Friday thing. And um, it's really been something we've wanted to do for a long time. And I think like a lot of you, uh, you're kind of forced into something because of the situation we're in. So we're, we felt forced to, to use this opportunity to kind of get a regular podcast, webinar, webcast kind of thing going. And so that's what we're doing. And so Jim, Jim is a good talker. If you don't know Jim Jansen, uh, you should know that uh, one of the best things he's, he's good at is, is, uh, is talking. He's just a great talker. Um, so I love talking to him. And that's not all that we do. We don't like, it's not maybe the complaint some days is that we kind of sit around and just talk a lot uh, here. It is one of the kind of the fun things to work in the chancery and work here uh, with the family life office and evangelization and Catholic schools and stewardship is uh, it's just fun. Like just the, the things we talk about is uh, really stimulating and uh, um, but it's not all that we do, but I do enjoy the chance to, to sit down with Jim and have a conversation. So what's been on his mind lately is um, what are we going to do after this thing or what, what would change? And I, and I, I use this um, quote from Pope Francis from his Urbi et Orbi sermon homily that he gave uh, just, just recently. And, and uh, I think it's, it's also something that a lot of the media picked up on too. And it was just his statement that this, you know, this is not a judgment upon us, this coronavirus thing that we're all going through. It's not a judgment upon us, but of our judgment, a time to choose, right? It's a time to elect, to, to, to choose something, what matters and what passes away, a time to separate what is necessary from what is not. It is a time to get our lives back on track with regard to you, Lord, and to others. And I, I think, obviously, he was speaking to to us as individuals and for us to, to remind ourselves of like what matters most in my life as, as a Christian, as a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I think it's a good opportunity for, for organizations, for churches, schools to ask the question, what matters most in what we do in our day to day as, as, as leaders of our, our Christian organizations. And so uh, Jim has lots of thoughts and insights about this and, and, uh, so Jim, what are you thinking? What would you, what are your post virus hopes? Like, what do you hope like would be different about, about the church, about your life, whatever? Well, I mean, first off, I just want to give a shout out to all the introverts out there. Um, you know, you said, <clears throat> father, you said that, you know, that I'm a talker and um, yeah, I own that. I'm definitely, definitely an extrovert. I'm married to an introvert. Uh, and we've had a couple of, you know, she and all, all the rest of the introverts out there, you all have been really proactive. You've been flattening the curve for years. And so I just want to thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, my, my wife is like, point, she's like really excited for the social distancing to end because when the social distancing ends, she can finally, you know, be alone at home again. So she's, <laughs> she's, uh, she's, she's suffering un, un, under that. Um, so she's, yeah, she's really looking forward to things returning to normal. 
Um, and I don't know if that's where everybody's at. I have to say that's kind of where my mind, you know, starts to daydream is like, gosh, what, you know, I can't wait for things to get back to normal. And I think it was maybe a, a week or two ago as we were, you know, thinking ahead to this, that I'm like, actually, no, I don't want things to get back to more normal. And there's a whole bunch of things that I never want to return to normal. Um, I mean, like I'll be what? honest, I, I miss like, I miss like, sh like a good firm handshake. It's weird. <laughs> like the elbow bump thing is just like, not, not enough, especially when you're from Nebraska. But, um, you know, I, I'll, I'll say one, like, this is a great example. Like there's been an amazing ministry community that has developed in this. And to be perfectly honest and maybe even a little vulnerable, I think, I mean, most of us in ministry have felt probably a little caught off guard. Um, and not that this is unique to those in ministry, but I felt very powerless, very insignificant, um, you know, a sense of like shame, like, oh my gosh, like, you know, do I have anything to contribute? Can I actually, can I actually care for people in, in this time? Um, and I think shame's never a good thing because that kind of leads us to isolation. But I think some of the uh, feeling powerless and insignificant has helped draw us together. Um, and I love that. I love being able to see everybody's faces. I, I love, um, I mean, on Zoom, right? Like, I love being able to, like, you know, like, gather people together. I feel like some of the gatherings we've had, I, I've heard amazing anecdotes, right, from uh, the Catholic school's office that St. Wenceslas and St. Wenceslas, that is like Wenceslas of Verdigree and Wenceslas of West Omaha, like those principles are actually talking and collaborating and encouraging one another. And that's just not something that would have happened uh, prior to this situation. Um, I feel like the, the youth ministry community, you know, Omaha is blessed with uh, a group of extreme veterans uh, in, our, uh, in our youth uh, ministry community and uh, some young, uh, young youth ministers. And there's been, you know, kind of a, kind of a division and a tension there. And overnight, everybody is suddenly on the same page and you're really, you're really just well, hoping you're hoping for like when this ends is like, I hope we can keep this sense of being one church. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, it's crazy how the distance has actually exposed our desire for unity and it's kind of leveled the playing field. Uh, and there's nobody who can say it's like, well, the last time I was in a global pandemic. <laughs> I mean, so it just, it helps a lot. It just kind of puts, it puts us, a, puts us on the same level. Um, and it's not that all of our dif differences disappear, but they just don't mean as much anymore. Um, yeah, I think I, I think the, I think the Holy, the Holy Father was saying that in the in his homily. He was just like, "We're all in the same boat." He he kept using yeah. that expression. We're all in the same boat, and uh, yeah. just, just, and it, it for one thing, it it, it feels kind of good in that sense of being in solidarity. Uh, Craig Dyke and I were just on a, a phone call or a Zoom call with a guy. He's a Southern Baptist from Texas. He's part of the Glo Global Leadership Summit Network okay. and uh, in the same boat, you know, doesn't matter which Pope you follow or what religion you are. Um, just all, we could really just relate and have that instant connection with folks. Um, so that, 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 yeah, I would have to really agree. Do, would, do you miss anything else? Like, are like you, you hope well, to have handshakes. So here, so, uh, so I was thinking like, okay, Something that I don't want to go back to normal is I don't want online church to go away. Um, I, I don't think it will go away. 
Uh, I actually think it's been a reality and this is kind of a demographic thing. I mean, for young people, but like nobody, nobody goes to a restaurant anymore without first finding them on Google or looking at their website and checking out the menu. And I think in church world, we've always kind of thought that our landscaping and our building is like what's going to draw people in. And that, that still may be true to some degree, but more and more like our website is our front door and the, the messages that we put out uh, about uh, ourselves digitally, that like that's where people are going to come to visit and check things out. And we were, again, like almost everybody else in the world, uh, caught a little unawares when suddenly suddenly our website really became our front door and our only door. Um, but I don't, that like, that can't go away. Um, and I'll be honest, I don't, I don't necessarily like rejoice in all of the, and I certainly don't have all the answers uh, in what it means for us to do church online, but like what it means to be a Catholic has always been bigger than just one hour on Sunday morning. So when and you say been, church, church online, you're saying you hope we have more, more masses online. Is that what you're saying? I, I mean, I don't think like father, please don't sell the, uh, the live streaming equipment, um, you know, on June 6th or whenever the, whenever the court, like, I think we should continue to live stream our masses. I think we should continue to have uh, a presence dedicated to showing who we are. Um, I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I think, I think our ability to reach out online, um, there's obviously limitations. Everybody's like, everybody's like, oh man, like my eyes are like burning because um, I've been in Zoom meetings all day. But there's like churches more than just, so it's more than just our worship. Uh, I don't mean live stream masses. I mean, it's like the, the calling trees, the, uh, the, the people are like forced to live their faith beyond simply their Sunday worship right now. And we're using technology for small groups and things like that, because the way we always used to express our faith has been taken away for a while. And it's actually exposed, I think, the fact that we reduced our faith to, to one hour on Sunday. And I don't want to go back to that. I, I do want to go back to that hour on Sunday. That's very precious, to be clear. Just <laughs> like, I want to go back to mass, but I don't want the, the Catholic expression of faith to shrink back to just one hour. But the website should be, you're, what you're saying is like, not only just the website, right? We've been doing websites for a long time, but you're saying like, we probably haven't been doing, doing them very well, have we? Um, no. And I hope that's not like controversial. That, that's, that's not controversial to anybody who actually goes on, on most Catholic websites. But Maybe yeah, I, should, not... I, should, I should go find a, a, a website from a different diocese oh and God. show you like what a bad website would look like. Yeah. I mean, they're just... They're not intuitive. We don't put our messages on there. We don't like the, the ability to actually interact online. I mean, like real inter again, I, I don't want to, I've teenagers. And so, you know, the, the dark side of technology and the way it can consume our lives. Like I'm really familiar with that. Um, maybe more than I would like to be, but there is a real interaction. People are feeling cared for and loved and served and inspired uh, by the way we've been able to reach out to people online and continue small groups at good old fashioned calling trees. Like those things don't need to disappear just because we'll be able to regather. 
Okay. Do, do you think, uh, I'm just trying to imagine, you know, we've been trying to figure out this website thing for a long time and uh, I don't know of, do you know of a, of a parish that is doing it well or like, uh, and, or even do we have any ideas of how to do it well? Like, well, I'd love to hear, I'd love to oh, hear yeah. everybody kind of jump in and like, I would love to hear like, who have, who has the audience seen do this well? I mean, email us, um, you know, if you're online live now, put it in the chat box. Uh, I wish I had some examples of parishes that are really doing this well, really doing their online ministry well. I know there's, I know there's a couple, a uh, shout out to uh, Olivier and St. Wenceslas, their youth group was right away. They were, they were jumping online. Um, and didn't miss miss a beat for their youth group uh, outreach. Um, and uh, I know a lot of parishes, uh, Christ the King, uh, they're, uh, gosh, I forget his, oh my gosh. I forget their tech guy's name, but God bless you, whoever you are, tech guy. Brandon, thank you. Uh, Brandon, like it, their live stream mass is beautiful. And uh, the taped parishioners' um, faces and kids on the... Uh, did you, front page of the Catholic team. Voice. Is it? Oh, I haven't got my edition yet. Yeah. I, yeah. But that, that, like, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. And there's some really, there's some really neat things happening. But I, I'd be, yeah, I'd be curious to hear what people, what has really jumped out to people as being really helpful. Yeah, I'll say like my best experience of uh, online church uh, at a church was uh, unfortunately not at a Catholic church. It was at Christ Community Church. Don't go there, mm -hmm. by the way. I mean, you can go there if you want, but don't, don't, don't quit the Catholic church because of an online presence. But no, I just, I remember I went there on one Sunday and uh, it was basically on the screen, say, go ahead and go online and check us out. Mm -hmm. And then they had the sermon notes there. So you could follow along and you could also take notes along with the notes, but yeah. then you could also like, it was right there for next steps because it's all about steps, right? Not programs, but steps, like how you can yes. grow uh, and growing your discipleship. And, and, and um, so they really had a, they had a clear path of discipleship. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, and then all you had to do is click, what's the next step for me as, as sort of an anonymous person at Christ Community Church. And then I could go and I, they, there's like an introductory course, but then like, do you want to mm -hmm. join a, do you want to join a life group? And all I had to do is click a button and then it would say, what kind of group do you want? Do you want one with your age or do you want a married uh, one? Or like, do you want one with like in your neighborhood or do you want one, do you want an online group to be a part of? Had yeah. all these options. It was like really encouraged that you could be on your phone uh, during the, the service. And uh, yeah. um, so I've, I've actually said that in a homily once, like it's okay to turn your phone on at this point. Just uh, don't check your just don't check Facebook or anything like that. But if you want to go look up the, the readings, follow the mass. Yeah. Um, so that, that kind of stuff, like I know Craig Dyke, he, he, he's our family life guy. So we do this retreat thing called, well, it's not really a retreat. It's kind of a workshop educational formation thing uh, called the MAJ or marriage journey for life. And so he was forced to do that, that workshop and, and mm -hmm. uh, instead of live just over zoom and yeah. he's just kind of been raving about how engaged the the young people were like because yeah. you can throw polls in there you can ask questions you can and the and and i, and I also wonder because I, I actually my office is right next to his and i so i listen to a lot of meetings that he has and I, and i wonder also like the 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 engagement they're getting is um is because the couples are there at home and then when you yeah. ask them to talk about it um, they're, they kind of, they're in an intimate setting and they don't have to worry about other table people and they can just kind of be there and then they can, 
they can chime in if they want. They, they, it's, we for, for better or for worse, the internet's really created uh, an opportunity to be anonymous if you want to. Right. Uh, and, and, and just shop around if you need to. Um, yeah. The front porch thing. But yeah, but it's part of it's. I mean, it's part of what it means to evangelize modern man. Uh, modern man has a propensity to want to hide in their technology, and if we can make ourselves accessible there, the the thirst is still still real, right? They they still desire it, but we 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 can remove some of those barriers. I mean, think about like most generations. Look around your church. You know, like what what's the percentage of people in your neighborhood? that are under 20 and then what's the percentage of people in your church that are under 20 hmm. and usually that's not a good that's not a good comparison uh ratio but people under 20 their entire life is online um and even if we try to be hospitable um and do everything we can to make it welcome when we haven't made an online presence when they enter into the world of church the subtle message, because it's so different from the rest of their life, is, is that they don't belong there. Um, and I don't think that's really where our heart is, but we end up sending that message when we've paid no attention uh, to any of the electronic forms of media. And let me, oh, go ahead, Father. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, since this is going to be turned into a podcast audio only eventually, uh, I want to make sure that I, I give some shout outs here to, to it's some really good chat information that's happening. So Diane Kiter says, I do like the interactive feature of Flocknote. Um, if you don't know what Flocknote it is, or if you want to learn more about it, David Hazen here in the Archdiocese, just 558-3100, uh, call, call David. He's our communications manager. He will get you set up uh, for that in your parish. It's, it's a really powerful uh, platform. Christine French said, we had, one, uh, we had one kid talk in Theology Thursday at Scott Catholic yesterday that, that never talked in a session for 3.75 years at school. He's never mm -hmm. talked in a theology class until recently. Um, so I, I, think you're, I think you're right. <laughs> and maybe just add, I would want one thing to take the pressure off because there's, um, there's a miss, I'll give a shout out um, for those of you who are not familiar with Kerry Newhoff. Uh, he's a evangelical Protestant uh, in Canada, A. Eh? Uh, great blog and podcast. And he's kind of pointed out that like, there, there isn't a pressure, like, we don't need to be high production, meaning like the lighting and the camera work, like the sound needs to be good enough that they can understand you. I mean, we don't want to be annoying, but you don't need to be high production. What you need to be is authentic, right? What, what you need to be is like real and relational. And there we go. For those of you, yeah, uh, who can who can see it, and we can put this in the show notes too. Because Newhoff is not an intuitive spelling. Let me just say that. <laughs> Kerry Newhoff, N I E U W H O F. Um, we'll put it in the show notes. But uh, he has a couple of posts talking about you know how to do um, ministry online, and it's a myth to think that you have to have million dollar cameras and that you have you just have to be real. And and. Yeah, it, there's a great article where he just points out like Jimmy Fallon's Tonight Show being done from his home is awesome. It's so engaging. It's so fun. And part of it is because it's real. Um, and that takes the pressure off because I would hope that uh, if lights and camera work uh, are not our home game, I would like to think that authentic and real is our home game. 
Yeah. Now I'm reading this blog, so. I, yeah. You... Oh, that's great. That's great. <laughs> you can read it together and tell everybody. Uh, um, okay. Can I can I share a vulnerable thing that yeah. I hope doesn't return to normal? Yeah. Um, I I want to keep being a dad. So I am kind of a highly motivated guy, and it's easy for me to mix up, you know, my first job and my second job. And I have not done this perfect. In fact, if anything, part of the grace of this Lent has been recognizing that my complaining about the pace of life and how oh, sports are just keeping us too busy and all these other activities in school and this and that, and when they were instantly taken away and I had opportunity to engage my children, um, I didn't necessarily do that as deeply as I wanted to. Um, I'm working on it and there's a grace there, but like, I don't want to give up the opportunity to teach my kids. Now I'm careful. I'm not within like arm's reach of my wife who, although we've always kind of, you know, thought homeschooling was cool. We became homeschoolers like overnight. So that was crazy. Um, be careful what you wish for. Um, but, it, but like the opportunity to, to really now like really lead my kids in the faith uh, to really educate them. Like that's been a blessing that I don't want to give up. Um, and I, more than ever, love the teachers who are supporting uh, our family. But what I realized is what I really want is I want the community of support. Like I want my school to give me other parents who have the same values that I do. Um, I read a crazy study of uh, Christian parents as they were dealing with their teenagers and technology, smartphones. And they went through, okay, what's the, what's the greatest obstacle that you feel like you have in uh, raising your kids with wise use of technology. And you know what they said the number one obstacle was? No. Other parents. Mm. They said the biggest obstacle wasn't like, you know, Hollywood, or the, it, was, it was other parents. That like, I'm trying to hold the line here and all of my kids' friends had phones when they were four. And I kind of felt like they should at least have double digits before they had a, you know, a smartphone. Um, that like, and that's, that's what I desire. Um, and I feel like we're getting a little taste of that. That's what I want for my, my community. And again, to give a shout out, like St. Charles, um, St. Charles uh, Borromeo in um, uh, Gretna, they don't have a school yet. Um, Cause I'm thinking both here, when I think community, I think both of like our school communities and I think about like our religious education communities their religious education community uh, is very, very cool. They have parents grouped in teams. And as families, uh, those parents are helping to pass the faith on to their kids uh, as the catechists in their religious education program. Uh, crazy novel idea, right? Parents are always supposed to be the first educators, but St. Charles is forming and equipping them to teach their kids. And they love it. Those families enjoy it. The kids actually enjoy it. Um, and as we've been, you know, as so much of what we normally do on Wednesday night and what we do Monday through Friday, you know, eight to three, when that, that's been kind of taken away, um, parents have, I, I, I can't speak for every parent. Um, I mean, I can in the struggle. I can't speak uh, if it's been a joy. But I think for a lot of parents, it's been a joy to actually have to do that again. And what was supposed to be a delegation may have accidentally turned into an abdication on my part. And getting called back to 
to, to pass along the faith to my kids and to be uh, the, the primary educator there, that's been a gift. And I, I don't want to give that up. You know, I remember it being in Creighton and Creighton, Nebraska, St. Ledger's and uh, Brunswick, Nebraska as well. Um, the parents would often talk about that pressure to kind of, it wasn't, I mean, yes, their kids wanted things, but you know, parents know how to say no, but it was like, so every parent I would talk to, they would always complain about sports. Then I finally just said, why don't you guys get together? Like, it's just like, but they always felt alone in it. Like, well, we, you know, yeah. I gotta, and, and then, but that parent wants the, and, and I, I thought if you have, if you do have community, um, then, then that would be a way for those parents to, I mean, there's strength in numbers sort of thing. Like oh, yeah. if, if I had a, a, another family that, you know, we were doing uh, faith formation together, we had the same values. We could, we wouldn't feel that peer pressure, um, that everybody's feeling you could say like, yeah, but I have my little group here and we're all, we're all for like not going on the stupid tournament. Oh um, yeah. I mean, right. Kids are bullies. I mean, they wear us. <laughs> Our kids like wear us down. And I, I love having, you know, they're like, yeah, well, everybody's doing this. And I love being able to say, but not the Johnsons, <laughs> uh, but not the Linders. But not, like, I love being able to shout out just to, just to have a couple other families who they know aren't doing the thing that we're not allowing. Uh, the, you know, the privilege that we're saying, no, you need to wait. There's, there's, a, there's a maturity threshold that you have to hit here before you get to do this. Yeah. They only keep having games uh, on Sundays or uh, Wednesday yeah. nights because you keep going th to them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, wouldn't that be cool if we refused? We're like, no, actually, Sunday's, Sunday's actually sacred. Um, not just one hour Sunday morning, but like Sunday is sacred. Yeah. What else are you hoping for? Jimmy. Well, uh, I mean, since I'm <clears throat> so kind of related to that. So again, I, I talked about how like, you know, when, when I had, uh, I had this wish for margin in my life, you know, and I was complaining about like, you know, all of this, the pace of life and sports and activities and this and that. And what I realized was a lot of it was, was me. Um, part of the reason I didn't have any margin in my life, which I have a little bit of now is it was because of me. And it's just, it's been cool to see the way, praise God for some of the nice weather we've had, but it's been, it's been cool to see like what happens when there's just space. Um, and again, I, I have not taken advantage of this near the way I want to, but just being able to wander into my kid's room and they're not overwhelmed with homework um, and they're not gone at sports and, you know, they can't, <laughs> they can't be out with their friends. And so I'm able to actually just enter in, um, just a normal thing. I mean, just, you know, help them change the tires on, on my teenager's truck and just little things like that. Like, I don't want to give up that margin. Um, and I don't think I recognize how good it was. So it's really a recognition, like how busy we are all the time. And I think everybody said it, everybody oh, felt yeah. it. And, uh, but we didn't know how to stop. Right. God figured out how to stop. Yeah. Um, but it's, it is that it's like when you go on retreat. Uh, so I do these eight, mm -hmm. eight day silent retreats and, uh, and I, I never feel busy or stressed out until I like, I stop being busy. And then I, yeah. I realize how, how tired I am and, and how attached I am to my phone. And it's not even, mm -hmm. I'm busy. I just like, I, I need to feel busy. Uh, so it is, it is this uh, sense of, 
oh, what am I supposed to do with myself now? Oh, I know, be creative. Um, you know, I, I have ideas that I've never had before. Um, oh, I have to give you this thought. You've, I think you've heard me talk about this. Anybody who's been within, well, six feet of me in the last few months has heard me uh, talk about this book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Uh, it's an evangelical author, um, but the guy might as well be Catholic. I mean, he's quoting Augustine and Thomas Aquinas. And I mean, he's... Uh, it's a fantastic book. And he's, uh, he talks about a couple like crazy stats. Uh, one is just a century ago, everybody, well, on average, people slept 11 hours a night. Like that's crazy. It, you know, seasonal darkness, like what are you going to do? Like, it's like, okay, we're going to light a lamp for a little bit. So, Is like, that not normal for people? Because that's kind of what I get. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's awesome. Good for you. Um, I don't think it's normal. Um, <laughs> But like, just like that, and, and just like what, what technology has done to speed up our lives, um, right, as we say this over a Zoom call. Um, but he just, he just points out that like we follow a savior that when you, when you really look at the life of Jesus, you see him going on retreat all the time, taking long periods in prayer and solitude with his father, you see him eating meals with his friends, um, you know, in uh, on gatherings of mm-hmm. ten or less. They fudged a little bit. Uh, uh, you see, you see him taking naps, right? You see Jesus taking take, I mean, that's what Pope Francis. That's the that's the story that he that it, like. You see him taking naps. You see him never in a hurry, even when people's lives are on the line, which I guess you can do if you can raise people from the dead. But like Jesus is never in a hurry, and that that book that was the book that I read like just before Lent, and so it like helped to shape my resolutions. Um, and apparently, I wasn't doing a good job because the Lord found another way to really try and crank up the. Uh, no, it's just time to slow down. Do you really think it's going to happen, though? Don't you think as soon as this thing gets turned on again, we're all just going to fall into the same trap? You know, yes, I do. Actually, I mean, if I'm, if I'm totally, we're trying to talk about hope here. So yeah. So it's oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. But like, if you ask me honestly, do I think there has been a profound change of heart and mind by the vast majority of people to say nothing of Catholics in the United States? I'm like, no, I don't. Uh, it's my, uh, it's my hope that the unique Catholic experience of Lent and being deprived of so, so many pressure, and I'm not talking about fish fries, but things like, you know, like the stations and the veneration of the cross on Good Friday and Holy Thursday. I, I do believe something special will happen there. Um, but no, I think the, what I'm, here's my hope. When the world speeds up again, I hope some of us rebel and I hope some of us, some of us refuse to be hurried. What do you think it would take? Like, these are just, these are nice, nice little hopes that you have, but like, you know, obviously well, I, I think it's probably con- conversion. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think it's going to take prayer. I mean, I think it's going to take a real habit of listening to God. I think it's going to take community. You actually can't do this alone. I mean, it's really hard to not like, you know, we're herd animals. And so when everyone around you is running, when all the other parents, um, you know, have their kids in multiple select sports at the same time. It's really hard to not get drawn into that. Um, and you compromise. It's like, okay, we'll only do one, you know, 
we'll only, you know, join the team that has 50 games instead of 100, you know. Uh, so it's going to take a community and it's going to take a learning to hear God's voice. But I don't think it's an accident that this has happened during Lent. Um, there, there's this great, we should shout it and maybe we can post it on the website too. Uh, I, I saw an Instagram post um, where it's this kind of picture of the, the future, kind of dreaming and say, you know, like, Saint, we'll put, I'm going to pick a name here, right? Saint, Saint Christine was lukewarm in the practice of her faith until the great Lent of 2020, when much of the world was deprived of the sacraments for weeks on end. But the hunger she felt during that desert season drove her to a deep love of Jesus in the Eucharist. And when mass was reopened to the public, she became a daily communicant and an unparalleled evangelist. Right, like that's, that's what I hope. I hope that, that what the Lord is doing in this time changes us so that we never go back to normal. Because let's be honest, normal just wasn't that good. <laughs> well, I kind of like being, yeah. It depends on who you are. <laughs> I, just, I mean, I just, but I, I just have this revelation because sometimes I feel like a jerk. Like, I'm like I, I mean, I'm not totally unsatisfied with, with my life pre-COVID-19. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, there are good things that I see about our church and our world. But when we pray the Our Father, right? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, they will be done. Like those three little petitions there, if you will. Um, all of those are modified, Greek geek here, right? All of those are modified by the, like, on earth as it is in heaven. That Meaning... When we pray to our Father, what we're really saying is, I'm sorry, there's a really big gap. We're really just not praising you, and the kingdom is not realized here the way it should be. And we know the idea. We know what it's supposed to be like. Well, we don't, we don't actually know what it's supposed to be like in heaven because we don't have a taste of that, but we know that we're not there yet. And so I just think it's healthy. It is not unpatriotic or unloyal for us as Catholics to admit that we have a long way to go that we're not there yet, um, that there is something more to be desired in the building of the kingdom uh, on earth. Yeah, well, I've kind of been hoping that, uh, I've been hoping for that long before a virus came around. Um, just, you know, a yeah. sense that, yeah, no, hopefully this, I don't know if, I, I'm not experiencing it. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. Your life is different at home. The only change that I've experienced is that I, I don't say mass for people and yeah. that's, that's weird. Um, I don't like that uh, because uh, that sense of like offering myself, I can still offer myself in the Eucharist mm -hmm. um, as, as the priest, I offer my body in that. Um, and so, but I also, I'm not, the, the way in which I would normally mm -hmm. share the gospel would be through a homily, uh, through the reverent yeah. way in which I would, I would say the mass. Um, I'm not a pastor and I'm not in a parish that's, you know, like I'm in the cathedrals is a little bit different, different thing. But uh, um, for, so for me, it's, it's, it's always been my hope and dream that, that the church would, would be the, the, the game changer of the world, that the church would always yeah. be this, like, not just that church, but like my parish would be like, it would transform the way we would do sports on Wednesdays and Sundays. I, my, my hope would always be that, that the church would be where families would, would gather together and, and, um, that they would they would celebrate the kingdom together. They would say like, "Man, it's got to be better than this than, than this crap we're putting up with." That their marriages would be better. That that uh, that, mm -hmm. that their you know their kids be particip 
participating or or even like when the kids would or parents would uh, have their kids go to the Catholic school that they send them to the Catholic school because because we think um, we 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 are totally in on the mission of the church, which is which is to make Jesus come to life, right, on every street corner. And so I'm going to put my kid in this school because I think this is the way to do it. This I'm going to invest in my kids. Uh, ability to be a missionary to disciple that's always yeah. been my, my hope so I, I don't so I'm not experiencing the same sort of like oh I wish it gets better at the end like I'm, I'm still it's hope but I'm also like I also do live in a lot of hopelessness Jim so I, I you I, your personality is so sanguine you still uh you know you come in here with your yay you know always so positive about stuff um sorry and, about that and so I, I, I need, I need like, okay, so when this is all over, we can't just kind of hope or, you know, yeah. you, do you remember like in Grumpy Old Men? Remember that? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So the old guy, he would say, Am I like so, Walter Matthau? Wait, no. yeah, I don't know. Um, on some, um, it's a, it's a little crude and I apologize, but this is kind of this. So if you really, if you want to know who I really am, I'm a little crude. Tell the remember. kids to turn out. Yeah. Moment, send the kids Earmuffs. out of the room earmuffs yeah you can crap in one hand and wish in the other and see which one weighs the most um yeah yeah so it's, it's like wish all you want but what are you going to do about it when, when this yeah. is all over what are you going to do about it like um i i have this sense we're just going to go back to normal and like unless and, and leaders step up and say and, yeah. and not only step up but like gather other leaders around them and start a revolution and a movement um of of christianity christianity is a movement it's a revolution to change the world yeah. Um, but we don't do it alone. So like, that's right. Like, yeah. Uh, so, so if you can keep that going on zoom, if you can, you know, afterwards you can pull people together and say, wouldn't it be better? Wouldn't it be great if we could do something different around here? Mm-hmm. Like well, have more margin in our lives and, and not let sports dominate. But I, no. so th- there's wishing in one hand and, <laughs> and then doing something about it. Well, I love, I, I think you're right. You're right on there. And I, I'm drawn back as you talk to like what Pope Francis and which what Archbishop Lucas have been saying uh, about this time, right? That like, um, it, this is not this judgment from God. It's his invitation from God to judge ourselves and to choose. Um, you know, I, I had an opportunity to hear a little bit of the remarks the Archbishop um, had uh, given to the priests of the Archdiocese and the priests of Lincoln. And what he challenged them to think about, he's like, what, what are you going to do when this is over? Like, what do you want to do? What are you going to choose to do? Um, and we just have to be honest, like, not everything we're doing is fruitful. I mean, let's be really, really honest. When we strip out all of the non-essential activities, we're like, oh, father's still saying mass. Nobody's there, but father's saying mass. People are still praying. There's a, but like, wow, if we're really honest in a time like this, 90% of what we do is non-essential. Yeah, the Archbishop had this beautiful reflection that he, he shared on, our, on, our, on the leadership team, and then he shared it with the directors recently at a meeting. He just said, you know, really reflecting on what Pope Francis had, had said, but just asked, he's like, you know, he's, he's 70 years old and, and is sort of in the, the high risk uh, range for the, the virus because we're all praying for his health and we, we want him to be healthy um, and uh, stay safe, just like we would anybody we love. Um, but he, he just shared this reflection. He just said, you know, of course he's thought about it. 
Um, so he said, if I'm, if I'm on my deathbed because of this coronavirus thing, which could happen this month, he just said, I, I, I wonder, I want to ask the question, did I do everything I was supposed to do for this diocese? Was I doing the right things? What, did, did, I, did I make any difference in, in a way that really mattered? Um, and, and I think he, so he has context. That's his number one strength. If you're into the Gallup strengths, context is number one. And so he tries to put things into context. And, and the best way to do that is to read the end of the book first, <laughs> see how the story ends. And that'll, yeah. that'll dictate how, how you're going to read the, the story right now. Uh, or write the story. Uh, so mm -hmm. write the ending first, and and then you can decide where you want to go from here. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's 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 where his strength really teaches me uh, about like, well, put it in context. Where do you want to be? Like, and then and then decide how you're gonna write the script from here on out. Yeah, I, that's I love it, Father. I've been leveraging like some really some some questions right as I've been you know talking with pastors and other lay leaders on the ground. Uh, and one of them I'm asking is like, what do you want people to say about your leadership during this time, right? A after it's over, whatever that means, um, August, I don't know, nobody knows. Um, but like, like after it's over, like, what do you, what do you want people to be saying about your leadership? And whatever that is, let's start doing that now. Um, and that's hard. I mean, it's really hard, but I mean, fundamentally, I think there's a, there's a conversion, um, and, you know, you would think this is a home game for us as Catholics because we, we more than, than even some of our evangelical brothers and sisters, we recognize that conversion is an ongoing process uh, and that there's really profound moments, but it's an ongoing process. But like there is a real pastoral conversion that I think is being offered to us right now. And what I mean by that is like the stuff we do to care for people there's a real conversion being offered for us because so much of the stuff that we have been doing has not been fruitful or hasn't been fruitful the way it could have been or should have been. And we get an opportunity now to pause and, and ask those questions. Well, how do you uh, define fruit? So just, we can be more specific. Oh, I mean, I can be geeky and theological, but let's just say changed lives. I mean, if somebody isn't like so effusively, I mean, they don't have to be an extrovert, but if they're not joyfully eager to talk about what God did in their life because of our community, like that's what we're looking for, right? We're looking for changed lives. Um, and that can be any part of the journey. It can be someone who's very far from God, who's brought into relationship with him. And maybe those of us who are like, yeah, I've been in relationship with him and it was a little stagnant. And I, I, I have this, this group of people around me and I just, I, I just grew. I just, I just took a big step forward. And that's essentially what leadership is. So leadership is leading people on a journey. Uh, it's not just leading a committee. You know, those are all important things that we have to do every once in a while. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, we call this equip and we, it's really targeted towards leaders, whether it's pastors or yeah. deacons or any, just anybody who has influence, you're a leader, right? Yeah. And, we say this over and over again, leadership is influence. It just means we, have, we can leverage things with people in, in our sphere of influence and, and to keep thinking about, but where am I leading them? I'm, yeah. Because it's always about, I want to take them to one place to another. And, uh, and so the, I, I always think like, the thing I would love after all of this is that we, we begin to understand what matters the most and then be able to put, 
put the right tools in place so that I can help people to get to the place that they've always hoped to get to as well. Um, yes. That, that, that's transformed lives. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's everybody, everybody has a mission, you know, like part of what Vatican II taught is that there's a universal call to holiness um, and that there's a universal call to mission. Um, and part of our job, whether you're a pastor or a deary or a youth minister or just a super volunteer, what, like whatever your role in the community um, of faith is, like, or, you know, kind of like your particular leadership role, is that it's our job to help people find their God-given calling and mission. Um, I, I mean, I love, you know, like Pope Francis is joy of the gospel. There's a whole variety of reasons why that's a really fitting title. Um, but one of them is, is that when people find their mission, and of course the, the core mission of the church is always evangelization, but when people begin to do that, the joy comes back. Like people find joy. Um, and that, I mean, I, I, is it fulfilling all my wildest hopes and dreams? No, but you see a little bit of that. Uh, it's always been ridiculous that father could do everything. Um, but it's really ridiculous right in this context. And so you see just a little bit of flowering of the church, meaning not the people who necessarily work for the church and get a paycheck, but people who are remade in Christ because of their baptism, beginning to take care of each other, beginning to find their personal ministry. Um, super, super simple stuff like calling trees or putting a note in, you know, a neighbor's mailbox saying like, hey, if you need anything, like, you know, let me know. All, all of those like really simple uh, acts of love and concern. Uh, those yeah, are like I, little baby flowerings of ministry. Yeah, we'll have to wrap it up here in a little bit. Uh, it's been uh, almost 45 minutes or actually over 45 minutes. But uh, uh, just to uh, piggyback on that, um, actually, what were you saying? I wasn't listening. Uh, well, about <laughs> oh, yeah, you, you, were, you were just saying. Yeah, it like, must be time to be done. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm not really listening to it anymore. Let me offer a, ch let me offer a challenge here. Yeah. I want to hear from, from those who are listening, uh, email us. Um, what do you not want to return to normal in your parish and family? Like, please tell us like what, you know, what do you, what do you not want to go back to normal? Um, and, uh, again, for those, like what part of your ministry isn't fruitful and what do you wish you could give more time to like, you know, what, like, what are you like, no, like, no, that's what I want to do. And I never seem to have time for it. I never seem to have energy for it. I've never had time to learn it. Um, like, like what, what is that thing that you're going to choose to do going forward? All right. I remember what I was going to say. It's oh, yeah. a face, it's a Facebook meme. So I get all my, uh, all my homily tips from Facebook. And since I don't get to give any homilies anymore. That's where I get my health information. <laughs> That's right. And all my news and uh, everything else uh, and gossip. Financial uh, advice. Yes. Uh, it was, it's just this thing that's been going around and I think it's something we've always believed in, but it, it, it just said, uh, you know, the church is not canceled. It's been deployed. And, and we mm -hmm. talked about this the other day, just, uh, yeah. um, just when you said, you know, we have such an experience of father does everything or father, you know, we have, because, you know, rightly so, that relationship with the church as Catholics often is connected to a priest in, 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 our, in our parish and mass and the sacraments. Um, but it, 
in, in many ways, this is forcing us to think I can't do it with father. In fact, father doesn't know how to use Facebook. He, uh, he doesn't know how to do this or that. And so I can't rely on him to be church. Just, he can't just, uh, yes, he's going to be church in his own way, but yeah. the way the church is going to run is, is not going to be dependent totally on him anymore. It's going to have to be dependent on, on me and my family. Uh, yeah. So the things you learn from Facebook. Well, really, awesome. it was, it's sort of a Vatican II thing from Lumen Gentium as well. So anyway, uh, good talking to you, Jim. It's always fun. Like, like well, I said, uh, you're such a good talker. Great job. Wow. And, and uh, everybody can check this out on our, on our website. We have some show notes. He, he mentioned a lot of different books uh, that he's either listened to or, or read. Uh, those will be at our, uh, on our website at equip.archomaha.com. Org. Have a great day. And we're going to be back next week. And uh, Jim has this other thing that he's, that bugs him. And this thing that really bugs him is, is best practices. He doesn't actually think best practices are, are really all that great. Um, they're they not all work. That, they're not that, they're not the best. Uh, so we're going to spend some time talking about that and just shatter that myth and just destroy it. Um, so that's next week. Yeah, and using uh, this podcast to air grievances. So. It'll be it'll be Friday at three thirty. We're gonna keep this rhythm going. Yeah, my oh, not, actually, it's not day. next week. It's not Good Friday. It's the other Friday. Thank you. So it's the seventeenth, April seventeenth. We'll be back on the air. I guess it's not really over the air, but that's it. I have I have fancy uh, uh, music now, so that'll close us out. Talk to you later, Jim. See you, Father.